0: I say Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, or Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, I guess that's how I say it. Look at verse 13, and while you're uh, thinking about doing that, let's open in prayer, and then we'll get into the the teaching. Lord, thank you for bringing us together here for this time to open your word, and what a privilege it is to have the word of God. And uh, Lord, we do not take that for granted, of uh, how much was put into having this available to us over the generations of preserving your word, and the people who fought for its preservation. Thank you for opening our eyes to your truths. And may we depend on the Holy Spirit to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ecclesiastes, verse 12. Writer is Solomon. And uh, we'll get into a little bit about what we know about Solomon here, too. So let's look at verse 13. These are the words... Solomon spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that the Bible is always under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit regardless of the writer. The Holy Spirit is the author. It's the Holy Spirit that uh, brings all of the doctrine of the Bible together. and uh, You use the Bible to interpret itself based on what the Holy Spirit has inspired. So the words of Solomon here in verse 13 Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Now, what do we know about Solomon? Let's look into some of the things we do know about Solomon. Um, If you would, go back to 1 Kings 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings three, 3. Actually, go up to 3 5. 1 Kings 3 5. In the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept him for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king, instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered, nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him because thou hast asked this thing and not asked and hast not asked for thyself long life neither hast thou asked neither asked, hast asked riches for thyself nor hast asked the life of thine enemies but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment Be- behold i have done according to thy words lo I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. what a privilege Solomon had to actually speak to the Lord and for the Lord to give him this gift. And it was in response to Solomon's asking for understanding and wisdom had to have an understanding heart. In fact, his words were, uh, understanding heart to judge thy people and discern between good and bad. Of course, we do know that Solomon wrote several of our books under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, Proverbs, Song of Solomon. And the wisdom of Solomon is known throughout the world, in world history. And the book of Ecclesiastes is also a writing of Solomon. And... If you've read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you can see what Solomon experienced from the blessings of God and how many things were given him. In fact, the world was at his beck and call. He had so many um, uh, possessions and servants and projects he worked on, it's almost innumerable. The success. Everything he put his mind to do, he was blessed in it, and he achieved great wealth and knowledge and power throughout his whole reign as king. But when you go back to Ecclesiastes, let's go back there. And if you look at chapter 2, it goes down a whole list of things that he had, uh, whatever he set his heart to do, he enjoyed. But you know what? None of that came close to fulfilling his deepest desires, his deepest uh, needs, his spiritual needs in his life. And that's why when we go to the end of Ecclesiastes, he says these words which ring throughout eternity for everyone who has ears to hear. What someone who has given everything in this life comes around and tells us, and let's read verse 13 again from chapter 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So all through his wealth and achievements, the writer of Ecclesiastes, the man whom God gave because of the humility of his heart, asking for discernment and wisdom, God gave as a byproduct everything that the world chases after. And sometimes I think we're a little bit too hard on Solomon When we think of the things that he did uh, fail in, um, taking foreign wives and uh, some of his decisions made as king. Um, But when you think about it, the things that were given Solomon, if any of us were put in that position, how good would we do? How would we handle that blessing of being the most powerful man in your nation? So if you put that in context, Solomon did pretty good. And look what he achieved in writing part of the Bible and giving us the wisdom that that God gave him to share with us. So when you look at the conclusion of his life, he doesn't talk about all the wealth he has and everything. That's earlier in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the end, he says, I'm going to tell you what's important. And this is what's important. So uh, Matthew Henry comments that he had in vain sought Many of those things which most men are eager in pursuit of. But here at length, he has found it by the help of that discovery which God made to man that serious godliness is the only way to true happiness. Serious godliness. And he summarizes that in this this verse. Fear God and keep his commandments. You know, people downplay that word, fear God. Well, it doesn't mean just fear God like you're afraid of him. It means to have reverential respect. No, it mean, well it means that, but it also means fear God. Fear the one who has total authority over your life to send uh, people, based on their own decisions, to have the ability for eternal life or eternal damnation. So that's a godly fear. And... We understand in this life, you ever heard of the word Stockholm Syndrome, where people fear those who have control over them and they learn to love and almost love. There's a psychological thing happening there where they they actually side on with their captors when, you know, after months of abuse and they treat them well. All of a sudden there's this outpouring of, you know, servitude to their captors. That's something God has given us. And if man is capable of that, he's certainly capable of fearing the one who loves them without limit. Our God loves us without limit. And he is to be feared. But because of his love, we understand that that fear only drives us closer to the one who loves us. That combination of all power and all love, is what causes us to fall on our face and cry holy and thankfulness for his mercy. So, what does it mean to keep his commandments? Can we do that? Can we keep God's commandments? Let's go into the New Testament. And I am so glad we have a New Testament to tell us and interpret for us things in the old. And especially through the words of our Savior, what it means to have eternal life. Let's go to um, the book of Matthew, chapter 22. Matthew 22. The words of our Lord in Matthew 22. So think about it. What does it mean to keep God's commandments? Verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So here, Jesus helps us to understand what the law means to us in our lives. He summarizes it in two things. Love God and keep his commandments. Hmm, where did we hear that before? Solomon told us that. And let's go further as we go to the the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul. Galatians 5.14. Galatians 5.14. This is our apostle. If you're a Gentile, Paul's writings are crucial for your understanding of where you fit into this whole scheme of eternal life. Galatians 5.14 for, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And James speaks of the same thing. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We will come full circle with Paul when we go to Romans. So loving your neighbor is one of the two commandments that our Lord Jesus Christ tells us. And Paul brings this full full circle for what we as Gentiles need to know about the law. Romans 3, 19. And this is crucial. For it's realizing we can't keep the law which drives us to God's mercy and grace. So in Romans 3.19, Paul says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And finally, Paul continues in Galatians chapter 3. If you would go there, Galatians chapter 3. Luther wrote two commentaries, one on Romans and one on Galatians. And there's a lot of similarities between the two. Where Luther's main thrust was justification by faith and grace alone. Galatians 3.24. Galatians 3.24 says about the law. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that, faith has come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster. So when you have the faith of trusting Christ as your Savior, the law is of none effect. But that faith drives us to love the law, knowing we can't keep it in thought, word, and deed. But knowing that He who loves us wants us to honor that law, in fact, Paul says, "God forbid if we don't if we don't love the God's law." So Paul brings us from we start with Solomon. We get more insight into the application to believers today, us Gentiles, summarizing the law on loving God with all your heart and the neighbor as thyself. And Paul reminds us that the purpose of the law was to show us we can't keep it. And to show us that it is by faith after we realize we can't keep the law. See, God wants us humble knowing that we can't keep the law. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people today who think Christianity is just about trying to be good in everything. Uh, it's good to try to be good, but Without faith, we cannot please God. And so that faith takes us from being under a schoolmaster to being a child of God. And so we can rejoice in the fact that Solomon gives us the basis, Jesus gives us a a fuller interpretation of it, and Paul brings us into loving the law, but teaching us that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to faith. And so we can, like Solomon, agree that the whole duty of man is to love God and keep his commandments, because that is our duty. So how do we keep his commandments? By faith. We keep his commandments by faith. And by faith, we are secure in our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. So some things to ponder there, how the Bible helps us understand how to apply these things that we hear in the Old Testament and allowing the teachings of our Lord and the teachings of, of the Apostle to the Gentiles to teach us how to fully understand the application for us today. So let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the Bible and how it satisfies all of our needs of knowing what is true and knowing that through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have the faith spoken about in the Old Testament and in the New, and the assurance that that faith is what brings us into eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there anything else we need to do? That's it? Okay. Well, thank you all, and you are dismissed.